on this day in which we worship God. I'm grateful for our guests, David Bradford, thanks for joining us on percussion, and John Groders, thanks for being with us again. And you know, you picked a great time because you got a, you got a shirt today too, so <laughs> way to join the band in a timely manner, so thank you. Um, as we seek to be people who follow Jesus, we do so by following the living Christ as guided by the Holy Spirit and as instructed in God's Word. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Now there's been some strategy leading us up to this point. The last three weeks in worship, we have been going through the different pieces of our vision of what makes North Holland, North Holland. And so we've spent three weeks in the Gospel of Luke, talking about hospitality, that we are people who seek to give our guests the best. Like the sinful woman who gave her best to Jesus, not like Simon, who did not know how to host because his heart was not in the right place. Hospitality is a matter of heart. We spent a week on mission, thinking about how mission is both near and far, and I don't think I'll ever live down that Grover impression that I did that week. But mission is near and far. It is across the ocean, across the world. It's World Communion Sunday where we recognize people of every tribe and language and nation and tongue rejoicing and praising God their Father revealed through Jesus the Son. Mission is across the world and it's also right across the street. It's across the hallway at our places of work. It's across the spaces at our kitchen table when we're gathered with our families. The mission that God has called us to is one that is consistent wherever we go, whatever we do. We are to be people of Jesus. Hospitality, we give our guests our best. Mission goes with us wherever we go, both near and far. And we here at North Holland care about our youth. That our young people are not just the future of the church, but they are the church right now. Which is why last week we had different youth involved in the praise team. Carter and Blaker led congregational prayer with me because why not? Are they not just as much of the part of the body of Christ right now as they ever will be? Hospitality and mission and youth are the sources of life and energy, things that we rally around, things that we get excited about. In talking with a few folks earlier this week, they said the people of this church will bend over backwards for their youth. And we want people involved in mission, and we want to treat everyone with hospitality. Hospitality that we can intentionally share the love of Jesus through that compassion-filled hospitality. And as we celebrate the ways in which God has been faithful to this church, we also look to the future. And that's why today we're going to use our, our theme text for the Reach Out campaign, which comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. But before we come to God's word, before we hear about being the light of the world, let's join together in prayer. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we once were people walking in darkness, but you, O Lord, are the glorious light, and you have given us your light. You have given it to the world and we, being united with you, have also become that light to go into dark places, to be your light in the world. Help us to take our calling seriously, joyfully, 
and ever prayerfully. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, through the power of the Holy Spirit that illumines the word to us. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, from the Sermon on the Mount. Our Savior said these words, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are the light of the world. There's so many other ways that Jesus could have said those words. Because we know that Jesus is the light of the world. Christ is the light. And he could have said, you can gently reflect the light. Or, I'll give you some light to share. But Jesus made it an imperative command and he made it direct. When he said to all those gathered, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Because if we are united with Christ, who is the light of the world, then we become the light of the world by being united with Christ. You are the light of the world. And the light is meant to shine. Let your light shine. This is a call both individual and collective. This is our call as Christ's disciples wherever we go on mission, that our light shines wherever we go, whatever we do. It is an individual call to be Christ's disciples, but it is also a collective call, something that takes all of us as the body of Christ to be the light of the world together. So yes, John and Jackie and Laura and Carl and Dale and Ken And Howard, we all are the light of the world individually and collectively. We at North Holland Reformed Church have light to shine. And the ways in which we do that are rallied around hospitality and youth and mission. For North Holland, our light is to be shown brightly. A city on a hill cannot be easily hidden. Nor is it meant to be hidden. A city is a place of refuge, a place of safety. If there's danger outside, the safest place that you can get is to the city gates. A city on a hill is not meant to be hidden. It is meant to be a symbol of refuge and of gathering. In the same way, our city of North Holland should be a place of hospitality. A safe place up upon somewhat of a hill, actually, for people to come to. This city on a hill is not meant to be hidden. It's not meant to be exclusive because it's not our little club. If we think of it as our club, we've missed the point of mission altogether. And we have failed to reach out. A city on a hill is not meant to be hidden. It cannot be hidden. Nor can a church building project be easily hidden. But nor can the witness of a church 
that reaches out to its community. A church that reaches out to its community cannot be hidden. A church full of people that invite others to this place of hospitality. A church that reaches out to the school across the street to change lives, to change the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor can stories of God changing lives among us. It cannot be kept silent. It will not be hidden if we let our light shine. Now in this room today, it's time for us to put the lamp on the table so that all in the room may have light. I've learned in my time here that the projects around dreaming about our building have been going on for quite some time. That even in the 90s, there were questions. And the 90s, just remember, was a little while ago. We may think it seems right around the corner, but like the 90s was over 16 years ago. But in the 90s, people were asking, can we make an addition? Can there be space, particularly for our youth, particularly for hospitality? Now, those questions became more serious about five years ago. And so now today, we're bringing the conversations that have been lit and have been burning, we're bringing those together. And we're putting it up on the table for all to see. Because this takes all of us. This takes our prayers. This takes our discernment. And this takes our belief in a vision that we as a church are going to choose to reach out to our community. And so today as we go through and put the lamp of conversations on the table for all to see, for all of the conversations that have happened in building vision task forces, in building action team meetings, with consultations and research that we've done, and consistory conversations for a number of years, today we put it all on the table. We put it out like a lamp for everyone to see, for everyone to ask questions, to get answers, to offer input, to help us collectively as North Holland to see what we believe Christ is calling us to see. So today there's four questions that I want to ask and answer. Maybe it's the top four questions that we have as a church. Maybe the first is the easiest and the hardest altogether. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking about our building? The first question is why. The second is why now? If these have been questions that have gone back several years, why is now the time? The third is how. How are we going to do this? How does the flow of communication work? When does, when does the congregational vote happen? How do we know when we've raised enough money to move forward? And there's another big piece of the how that we'll get to. Why? Why now? How? And who is this for? Who are all these conversations truly for? First, let's start with why. Maybe the obvious answer is because we want to reach out and we don't want to let our facility limit our ministry. And if we're curious if there's good reasons of why, in 2012, the Building Vision Task Force number 1 reported, and I have their executive summary here. I'm going to read it for you in a second, but just to get a sense of, okay, who's been involved in this and how has this gone? If you were part of the first Building Vision Task Force... Would you stand? First one. Thanks, Scott. You led the charge. First building vision task force. 
Kristen, your name has changed since this happened. <laughs> if you were part of the second Building Vision Task Force, would you stand? Oh, and stay standing if you would. And the Building Action Team. And, and we've got a few who are not here. I know Allison Major somewhere in the back. You can be seated. These questions have been addressed and thoroughly, and we've passed this from one task force to another one, to a team that got some consultation. But the goal and direction has been the same since 2012. There is, there is an executive summary report, and I just want to read a section of it for you today. And we can make this available as well. It was available, but maybe the conversation wasn't as serious then, so we weren't sure if we needed this. Recommendations from the Building Vision Task Force suggest that actions be taken in a number of areas of our church facilities. The narthex, fellowship hall, kitchen, exterior, classrooms and meeting rooms, offices and storage have been identified as areas that require attention. Handicap parking, wheelchair accessibility, and confusion about which doors to enter the church were identified as concerns. The current main entrance is hidden in back, which may not be noticed by visitors. And after entering the building, people often have a difficult time locating the sanctuary, classrooms, nursery, bathrooms, etc. The needs are ones that we experience. We experience them often in the narthex. Mike, if you can bring up that slide of the narthex. Perfect. We experience them often in the narthex. We experience them in the kitchen. We experience them on days like today when we had planned an outdoor event and were rained out, and so we are scrambling to make our best plan B. All of our many events that we have done, all of the summer events that we've done, were, were filled. They were packed. And praise God that we never got rained out on any of those. Next week is Disability Awareness Sunday or Inclusion Sunday. And so we'll spend more time on this too, but to think about hospitality. Handicap accessibility is something that most of us don't notice or think twice about. And sometimes the argument is made that it doesn't affect very many people here. But just for a trivia question real quick, does anyone know where is the handicap accessible bathroom in North Holland? Jan? It's in the basement. It's not on the main floor where we're gathered. It's in the basement. There's two spots out front. One thing that we know, that there are many, many families, if there is a special need involved, that do not go to church. And we'll hear more about that next week, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. But when we think about hospitality, there may be people looking for a church home. But if it's inaccessible, they will not go. Obstacles become good excuses or good reasons to not join. Do we not want to reach out to those who would have barriers? Does our light not get to shine to those who would be inhibited by not being sure where to go or not being sure if they can get into the space that they need to get to? Now, there's been a lot of steps involved in this. First of all, we've had to ask ourselves, what are the actual needs has been one step then what would that actually look like to change? The next question is, how much would that actually cost? 
what would it look like, how would it function, and then we've stepped forward into, well, if we have a picture and a vision of what this could be, of how we could address the recommendations that were brought in 2012, do we have the capacity to raise the type of funds that would be needed to make change? So these steps have moved forward. And I liken it to not wanting to do the splits. We have to know what we're looking for, but we can't finish all of that work until we know if we can actually accomplish it. Now, I used to be able to do the splits. I can't anymore. I think this is about all you're going to get. <laughs> I say that because we can't finish the entire concept of a building and try to get our foot all the way out front if we don't know how much it'll cost or if we can afford it. Neither could we throw the other foot out and try to do the splits the other way and say, let's just start raising money without any clarity on what we're raising money for. Both of those scenarios are doing the splits. So one thing I want to assure us all today, the reason we're having this conversation at large about how we let our light shine before others is to make sure that we don't try to do the splits. We need to have clarity around our vision. We need to have a sense of commitment on if funds are available. And so the building massings that you see, and in fact, we'll go one slide forward. This that you see and the, um, the brochures that are in your pews, we invite you, each family, take one home. There's more pictures and questions there. And you might end up just reading that instead of listening to me, unless I do the splits. This is the front side, but then also on the back is the playground area. Go to the, There we go. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. As we consider what this would look like, we want to have space for our youth to be able to play games. We also would love to have a playground that's away from traffic. That was one of the number one research findings of what parents look for in a church when you visit for the first time. Is there a playground? And is it near traffic? <laughs> is it near moving vehicles? Or two things that are identified by parents of young children or parents that are involved in families. We need to know the why. And even the concept out there is not a finished thing because we can't do the splits. The work is not over, but we didn't want to continue working and working and working without having this as a conversation with the congregation at large. The why has been articulated years ago, which maybe pushes the question of why now. There is growth happening. We're planning a new members class for November because it's been requested by people who want to join the church. We've had families that have gone from being Wednesday night attenders to all of the Tuesday nights to families that are now joining us. And if you don't know them, I would invite you to reach out to them. Families from North Holland, families from Zealand, because part of the why now question involves our neighborhood. Holland is coming north, my friends, and Zealand is coming west. And if that is the case, that means that the community is growing. And in that community that is growing, there are people who do not know the Lord. Do we reach out to them? In that community that is growing, there may be people who know the Lord and do not have a church home. And so I ask you, why not here? If you love this place because you love these people, and the mission and ministry that gets us fired up, that gets us all together, then why not here? Why would this not be the place 
for the growing communities of Holland and Zealand that come our way, why would this not be the church home? Are we willing to reach out? And are we willing to let our facility demonstrate where our hearts are? The community grows, and why not here? One thing that I still love about our logo, it's the same compass type of logo that's in the reach out. It's our North Holland logo on the cross. That circle is open because I believe there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more person at North Holland. There's always room for one more at our table. There is always room for one more family to come and see what we're all about. And there is always room for one more person to find a church family here that welcomes them, embraces them, and invites them to be a part of the things that we are involved in. Why? Because there is need. There is limitation in space and in accessibility. Why now? Our community continues to grow. We have people joining us here and now today. So then the question of how. One thing that before we even touch the finance piece, the how has to involve spiritual growth. Any direction that North Holland takes has to be rooted in Scripture and in prayer. Because in Scripture and in prayer is where we find the Holy Spirit's leading, where God guides and directs us. And so our spiritual growth has to precede and include any type of personal or financial or numerical or brick-and-mortar growth. So we're going to go on a spiritual journey. The adult discipleship team is putting together a devotional booklet for each one of us to go through day by day. We're going to ask people to pray every day at 5.16 because our verse comes from Matthew 5.16. Pray for one minute. Now, you can start this before the journey if you want. Set your alarm for 5.16, whether a.m. or p.m. Some of you both, probably more people at 5.16 p.m., honestly. But praying together for one minute. That may seem insignificant until you consider what if all of North Holland were praying together for one minute at 5.16. If we believe what we say in the power of prayer, then there is great power in praying in unity every day together, wherever we are. The spiritual journey will be around stewardship and faith, sacrifice and commitment. Stewardship, reminding ourselves that everything we have is God's. Faith, that if we are on the right path, God will make it clear and provide, both financially, but also more importantly, that we have the faith that if we are following God's will, if we are seeking to reach out, that God will change lives through what we're doing at North Holland. Stewardship and faith, sacrifice, giving up something you love for something you love more, and commitment. As I've said before, if you've ever had a a sign-up sheet in the back of church, you know that we're a commitment-aversive society. But we need to decide if we're willing to commit. All of this will be linked in prayer. And maybe already today there's some resistance building in you. And maybe your prayer is, God, please, just slow this down or let it not happen at all. But I ask, who then are we depriving if we stop before we even start? Consider the impact of our church, of what we hand down to future generations, 
Which youth are we depriving of space and playground? What future generations that will be here long after we are all gone will inherit this space? I know I talked to Howard Bauman this morning, who is on the 1989 Church Flip building team, as well as Howard Dahlman and others. In that time, I'm sure there is a big push just like this. And I'm sure there is some resistance and some fear. In fact, I've heard some stories of it. But there is also great unity. And now every single week we inherit the blessing that was done by those who came before us. So who are we doing this for? The how also means raising funds. I'm sure there will be plenty to be done there, and I do sense a pretty big church auction in our near future. But there's one other comment that I wanted to... I didn't ask if I could use this quote. But Lil Veld here made a comment about building that I appreciate very much in saying that whenever we build, it's expensive, but we have to remember to do it once and do it right. And we all become experts in construction costs as soon as we see a price tag. I'd direct you to Steve Swiftney on any numerical questions. Um, He's been the keeper of the keys on all of this and can explain, okay, what makes this so expensive? Um, Because buildings are expensive. And you know what? I'm so glad that there are great leaders here because I just don't have the expertise. Working with the building action team, Steve, Kelly, Ken, um, Scott. Scott, you're the perpetual member. Um, And Larry. There's just so much that I've learned and things that I don't know. But for now, I want to direct you to Steve Swiftney for numerical questions. There is expense. Even our classes has to govern how much money we can raise to determine if we're really in the game or not. One thing that's significant to know is that we don't start from zero in any of this. We start with roughly a $300,000 head start. What many pastors and consistories and congregations would either covet or kill for to start a project. We would have to raise $275,000 to prove to classes that we are ready for this. And to protect ourselves from debt, we would want to push to what I would call a black belt level of fundraising, around 840000 Now, we're not going to do this by robbing Peter to pay Paul. We're going to do this by committing. And we'll get ourselves involved, too. We'll save money by doing work ourselves, just like we did, well, close to 30 years ago. Why? Because there is need. Why now? Because we don't want to see our community grow past us and not be equipped. How? Through spiritual growth and through commitment. We do not ask for any funds for this until we've completed the spiritual journey, which will be throughout the month of October. And we'll take a break next week. But maybe the last question, and most importantly, is who is this for? If there is need, and if the need is growing, and we're seeing people come to us, and we have a sense of how that we'll start raising funds in November, and we'll have to take our temperature and check our pulse at congregational meetings. This building project's been at every single congregational meeting I've been a part of. How will lead us to those questions, to leading to, here's where we're at, here's what we think we can do. And it'll be a big conversation for all of us, but we'll commit to it prayerfully. The last question of who is this for? 
Well, just like we all benefit from past building projects, 1946, when they built the mothership here, the education wing built in the 70s, and the remodel and addition of the narthex in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, they did that for us. And so if we consider an addition and renovation, who is it for? Well, it's for all of us. We'll benefit for it for the rest of our lives. It's also for our children. Not just biological children that maybe your children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren here, but it's for the kids across the street, and it's for future generations. Those who are not even born yet will benefit from it, just like I was not born when the 70s building project happened. And we won't go through and show hands on who would have been alive for that or for the 1946 building. But the biggest push that comes to us from our theme verse for reach out, let your light shine before others is when we consider that this is for others. People who don't have a church home, people who do not know the Lord. I did ask Jan Nienheis for permission to quote him on this. Thanks, Jan. And so you can check with him after the service if I got this right. But Jan made an observation about, because you've been around here for a while, your whole life. So that's like 65 plus years. (laughs) Jan's observation was this. Past building projects have been internally focused. It's been, we've had kids here. We need to have classrooms to teach them. That continues. We want to have fellowship with each other. We need some narthex space. And so there is some. But this project has gone from internally focused to externally focused. It has gone to reaching out. It's gone to welcoming. It's gone to inviting people in. This project is a push to reach out to those who are not yet here among us. So is it for us? Yes. Is it for our children? Absolutely. But it's also for them, for those who are not yet a part of us. What I consider is that the more tables that we can have people around out there, the more people we invite to this table here. This is the table of the Lord's Supper for all baptized, confessing Christians to come and join and partake of Christ's body and Christ's blood. And we want to invite the world, the corner of our world here. We want to reach out to our world that they can join us for tables around there so that ultimately we may be joined around this table, the table of the Lord. Why do we let our light shine before others? Jesus answered that for us in saying, let your light shine before others so that they may praise your, they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We want to invite people in and welcome them in and show us what we're all about so that we ultimately can be gathered in unity around this table, around Christ's body and Christ's blood. Over the summer, we had skeptics here among us. Chris and I ended up talking to a man who said, yeah, I'm not sure about this God stuff or not, but he was here. And he stayed long enough to be around a table to ask questions. How many more people who have questions can we gather around a table out there so that we can partake here? We're celebrating World Communion Sunday today, and so as a response, we'll be having the Lord's Prayer in different languages. 
But for now, let's gather together around this table to celebrate what Christ has done for us. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to partake of is a feast of remembrance, communion, and hope. We come to remember that Jesus was sent into the world to assume our flesh and blood, to become God with us, that we might be redeemed. We come to have communion with this same Christ, who has promised to be with us even to the end of the world. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and a foretaste of a new heaven and a new earth, where we shall behold God. Jesus said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. Here is the bread of life given for us. Let all who hunger come and eat. Here is the fruit of the vine poured out for us. Let all who thirst come and drink. May the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Let's pray together. Holy and right it is to give you thanks and praise at all times and in all places. O God, our creator, source of all life and goodness, you created heaven with all its host and the earth with all its plenty. You preserve us by your providence. When we disobeyed, you sent Jesus to deliver us from sin and death and free us to a joyful obedience. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your glory. And so it is, most righteous God, that we remember in this meal the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. United with Christ in his suffering, strengthened by the Holy Spirit, Trusting in the power of God to triumph over evil, we wait in joyful hope for the fullness of God's reign. We pray that the bread which we break, send your spirit upon us, that the bread which we break may be to us the communion of the body of Christ, and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the blood of Christ, and grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up into all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf, and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. On the night which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered with his disciples, and he took the bread... And after he had given thanks, as was his custom, he broke it and said, This is my body, given for you. As often as you eat of it, remember me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. Jesus blessed the cup. And he said to them, Take, this is the cup of the New Testament of my blood, poured out for you. Do this. In remembrance of me.
The bread which we break is our communion with the body of Christ. And the cup that we bless is our communion with the blood of Christ. We're going to celebrate communion by intinction this morning, which means simply we'll start at the balcony and at the back to come forward along the center aisle. There will be a station of elders on either side who will serve. And after you've taken a piece of the bread, the elder will say to you, this is Christ's body broken for you. Take your piece of bread and dip it into the cup. And you will be told, this is Christ's blood shed for you as remembrance, communion, and hope. After you've partaken of communion, we invite you to return along the side aisles. Pastor Audrey and I will serve at the center station with a bread that is dairy, wheat, gluten, soy, and nut-free for all dietary needs. And there will also be a station of elders roaming to you if you cannot make your way forward. If you think the band is cutting in line because they have cool shirts, they're simply coming up so that they can play while we have communion as well. So they get their free pass to come up first. But come, for all things are now ready. These are the gifts of God 